2: when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Oilers right
3: now, here's another chance for a two-on-one. Sagan cutting right in.
0: the puck against this team, and the Oilers turn one over. Well, and the Oilers have a 3 2 lead late in the third period with five and a half minutes to go. Dallas gets two goals 24 seconds apart, gets an empty netter, and gets the victory 5 3 over the Oilers tonight in Dallas. That was the game winner from Dennis Gurianov from Sagan and Bennett 15 02. Sagan would add the empty net goal, so the Oilers suffer a loss when scoring first for the first time all season. Now 21-1 and one when they get the first goal. Back and forth game, Oilers were up one nothing after the first. They trailed 2-1 after two. They got two goals 43 seconds apart in the third. Evander Kane shorthanded, and then Devon Shore out of the penalty box to Leon Dreisaitl, and Edmonton had the lead and had the momentum, and they were looking pretty good. But as Bob mentioned in that highlight clip, didn't manage the puck very well down the stretch and Dallas able to pull it out. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It nine seventeen. 17 Friesen brothers Oilers hockey. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, another exciting game, another close game, but uh, unfortunately this little two game trip, another one that doesn't go Edmonton's way. And, I've, I got to tell you, I, when they got those two quick ones, I thought, oh, I think this is going to turn out. They they get the shorthanded goal. They get another one with the guy coming out of the penalty box. It could have been the best penalty Devin Shore ever took in his life, by the way. But <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, the Oilers just can't put it away. And a couple, I mean, Hint's got a breakaway, and then Dallas gets a two-on-one, and that turns out to be the difference.
4: Well, a couple things. And I know that in Bob, when he was describing the goal, says you can't. You have to manage the puck well against Dallas. And we talked about it at the beginning of the season, or beginning of the game, a key for the game would be puck management uh, in the neutral zone, being patient. Don't force things because that's how Dallas plays. They clog up the neutral zone. They've got some skilled players. Uh, they're not, you know, all out on the forecheck. They kind of sit back and wait for you to make a mistake and then they pounce. And we saw that's what happened as the game went on. The, the Dallas Stars kept getting grade-A scoring chance after grade-A scoring chance. You know, Koskinen let in four in this game and probably saved another four or five that we thought they were going to score. That's the number of uh, grade-A scoring chances that the Edmonton Oilers gave up tonight, more tonight than probably the last three or four games combined. Uh, part of it probably was fatigue in the back-to-back games, but some just mental mistakes, not getting pucks in deep, not picking up guys coming through the neutral zone, and the Dallas Stars just kept pressing and pressing, and eventually they broke through and got the goals that they needed. But I agree. I, I, it was funny. When Devin Shore was in the penalty box and they scored shorthanded, when Kane scored shorthanded, they show him in the penalty box sitting there. And I've been there. You know, you you, you sit sitting there. It's a, a one-goal game, the chance to put it away. Then you score and you just like this huge sigh of relief. Like, yes. Then you come out of the penalty box and you set up a goal. You're thinking, okay, this is going to turn out to be like the best day ever. And then all of a sudden it falls apart for the others. But they played with fire all night long, Reed. All night long, they played with fire. They gave up good scoring chances. Koskinen bailed them out. Eventually, Koskinen ran out of magic, and the Edmonton Oilers found that if you don't bring your A game for 60 minutes, it's always it's still tough to win in this hockey in this league, no matter how many chances that you put in the other way.
0: Yeah, well, and really a good start for the Oilers, which is a flip flop from a thing we were talking about for about the first half of the season. Basically, the first 26 minutes of the game. Edmonton was the better team and then I think the last 34 minutes of the game you'd have to give the advantage to Dallas though it turned out to be a close game overall and I you know and I think you said it Rob Koskinen gives up four and when he did that media availability last week and I asked him about stats you know you said you don't look at the stats is there anything you pay attention to and he said look I want to win I I look at the standings I want to make the playoffs and he said you could have a 9.30 save percentage and play poorly and have a, a an 8-something save percentage and played well. Well, Koskinen's save percentage tonight is 8.52, which doesn't look good. But I'm, I'm just going to read you some of the highlights. Because as you know, Rob, I take notes throughout the game, write down highlights or things you and I might want to talk about. So I'm, the, the time is the time remaining in the period. And then mm-hmm. I write down, you know, little shorthanded notes for the highlights. So I'm going to start in the second period. 10:31. Koskinen left pad Ben. 9:45. Ben breakaway. Koskinen save. 9:23. Koskinen stop Robertson. 2:58. Koskinen stop Guryanov walking in around Keith. 2:18. Uh, Hint stopped by Koskinen. Into the third period. 17:29. Koskinen stop Guryanov down the right wing. Those were all goals that those, those were all when it was 2-1 Dallas. Kane scores shorthanded, and then hints about 15 seconds after the goal. I wrote down uh, Kosk stop. Hints power play down the left wing, uh, 554 left. Oilers are up 3-2. Koskinen, two saves on Sagan. So, I mean, I got about nine or 10 uh, very good or excellent scoring chances for the Dallas Stars that Koskinen was able to to turn away. So, again, his his stat line maybe won't look great. The loss, the save percentage, but uh, I mean, I thought he was very good tonight.
4: He was. Uh, he He's the reason that it wasn't a 7-3. Dallas win. He was that good in this game, but it also shows you this was a, a poor defensive effort for the Edmonton Oilers. This was more that we like what we saw in you know in January when when the team was struggling big time by bleeding great a scoring chances, a lot of odd man breaks against uh, turnovers at the neutral zone, turnovers in the offensive zone, not having a high, uh, a third guy high. The Oilers gave up a number of odd man rushes, and you, you just. You're playing with fire time and time again, and they they did that. They got the break they needed, but the shorthanded goal and then the goal quick right after that, yet they still bled chances after When you have a one-goal lead on the road late in a hockey game, you just it's over the red line, dump it in. You've got four guys back and get one four-check going, uh, but you, you never put yourself in a position where they have a chance to have an on-man break coming the other way, and uh they did and Costkin it, 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 made three or four, as you said, other big saves before they scored their two goals. So it was not a good good night and defensively for the others and, and this is a learning moment for them that, uh, that you, you can play as well as they have as of late and, and they're scoring goals and, and their top lines are playing well, but other teams got good players too. And if you give them good opportunities, they'll make you pay, and this Dallas Star team is a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. At some point, you may have to play them in the, in the playoffs, and you played right into their hands tonight by turning the puck over in the neutral zone and shortening the ice for them. Well, and,
0: you know, the special team, such a big discussion for this team because there have been long stretches when the Oilers won games... I mean, hockey's a complex game. It's hard to say that you only win because of one thing after a game, but there were a lot of nights where you could say the Oilers won primarily because of their special teams, where you might say, okay, list three things that influence the game the most, and you'd maybe put the Oilers special teams one or two uh, a lot of nights. It's interesting how it's turned the other way. Even though the Oilers have a good win-loss record lately, um the special teams have not been good now i know they got a shorthanded goal tonight but they did give up a power play goal the stars go one for four with the man advantage the power play update for extreme power products your full line kubota dealer with four locations including one in camrose check out extreme with an x power the oilers go 0 for three on their power plays rob but also when they had the opportunity so early in the second period a goal would have put them up to nothing they're not able to score late in the second period and early into the third. That power play continued. They're down two-one. They could have tied it. They didn't. Now, granted, you know they did tie the game and go ahead later. But then, don't forget when the orders were up three-two. They had a power play. Sagan took a penalty with eleven thirty-six to go. Everything was going the oilers' way, and then Dallas takes a penalty. And, and you just think about getting a goal in that situation would have been what around seven, eight minutes to go, and, and you would have been up four two, and you would have had three goals in about a six minute span. And they and so they're they're not able to get it. I mean, forget about the forget about the percentage. They haven't been able to get it at the right time. We'll talk more about that in a sec. Here's Jay Woodcroft.
5: goal scoring and so many momentum swings it seemed like as soon as you felt like you were in a comfortable spot they would bounce back or vice versa yeah i think it's uh two good hockey teams that um traded kind of punch for punch there it's disappointing the way uh, it ended for us obviously um we'd like to have that last six minutes or so uh back um but um yeah, not our finest hour in that that last six minutes, but gonna have to learn from from it and move on.
6: When you say that, what do you what does a coach's eyes see? Like, there's a bunch of breakdowns and everything's happening. Mm-hmm. How do you slow it down in your head? What do you see that goes wrong there?
5: Well, uh, you know, I think there's there's some individual errors that led to those goals, and then there's some team things that I think structure-wise that we kind of got away from. I think if you looked at some of them, I would say some of them came from fatigue or and um, you know that's no excuse we can be better part of the reason why you have a structure in place is to protect you in times like that Um, and uh, like I said we're gonna learn from that experience and and move on
6: do you your power play doesn't have to be good all the time but there's times that if it's good this time it really helps yeah you had the one power play there up three two yeah and it was I, I don't know what my question would be. I guess the goal would have been nice there.
5: <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice. Um, it didn't happen for us. We had a few chances, but it wasn't clicking at the rate it has been over the last two weeks or so. Um, we felt over the last couple of weeks it's it's been pretty dangerous. Um, but it w- didn't go in for us tonight. It's not not like anyone wasn't trying. And, uh, you know, we had time in zone and so a couple chances, but it, it was just didn't go in for us tonight.
1: Jay, did you feel like it was an uphill battle at some points of this game? Because you guys could have easily had a multi-goal lead in the first, Mm -hmm. and then obviously things swing back. You guys rally back in the third. Was there any frustration from this club tonight? No,
5: I I don't think there's frustration. I mean, we're disappointed we didn't walk out of here with points. Um, But... Uh, these are the types of games that we should expect as we head down the stretch here. Uh, nobody's giving points away, um, especially the teams fighting for playoff spots. They're, um, you know, they're punching back when they're down. And uh, for us, I think um, there's a few moments in today's game that ended up being big moments that we can handle better. We're gonna have to learn from it. We're gonna have to learn from it fast, so that we set ourselves up here down the stretch.
6: We're home for you. They're both in Edmonton. Yeah, both in Edmonton. Just uh, a bit of a, you know, we're done with the trade deadline. You got two new players. You're going home. You're off of this little road trip. Is there a, is this a point to kind of turn things in the right direction? And yeah,
5: and I wouldn't like I. I think we've played really good hockey here over the last month. Uh, when you put things in perspective, uh, obviously. We wanted the result tonight, we didn't get it, but we've we've done a lot of really good things over this last month or so. Uh, I think we're the needle's pointed in the right direction, and we have a few new people that we need to integrate into what we're trying to do. And uh, we're keeping, as I've said right from uh, day one, we're keeping our concentration and our focus on the day's business. Uh, so what does that mean for us right now? We're gonna get on a plane, we're gonna get back late at night in Edmonton, uh, we're gonna rest up, ref- Fuel, introduce a few new bodies, and um, and take on the uh, San Jose Sharks team. Good, thanks.
0: And that uh, San Jose Sharks team, by the way, leading Calgary 4 3 with five twenty left in the third period. Well, he was asked about the power play, Rob, and that's what we were getting into before Woodcroft started talking i mean obviously like i said a, a, an opportunity early in the second period to make it 2 nothing no there would have been a lot of hockey left and obviously dallas came on but that one in the third period could have made it 4-2 with about 7 minutes left and then uh it's probably game over um you know it's 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 changed it, it's still obviously a very good power play and very dangerous it is not clicking at the rate that it was earlier in the season what are you seeing
4: uh, well, I, the biggest thing, we've talked about it for a while, is when the Oilers' power play was clicking, every team around the National Hockey League was finding out what they were doing well and then devising schemes to slow it down. And then when the first two or three teams were able to slow it down, teams watched video and said, okay, this is what they're trying to do. Here's how they're taking it away. Here's where we can be successful. So teams right now, they're not allowing the backdoor cross-ice to, to Leon on dry settle, which is forcing the Oilers to move the puck in other directions and you've seen they've added a couple new wrinkles they've had tonight where the the little high bump where they've set up either Yamamoto or or Kane with one timers off a short little pass they've tried to do that they're trying to shoot more from the sides hitting sticks in front we've seen dry do that a lot the teams are seeing they know that when Connor McDavid starts ramping it up and and going down towards the goal line he's trying to go cross crease to uh, usually Yamamoto backdoor, so they're trying to take that pass away as well. They're they're just they're getting all real tight down low and and forcing the Oilers to do things from the outside, and that's not the Oilers. I don't know if it's not their strength, but it's not what they want to do. And eventually, you got to take what's given. So they're trying to shoot from the back end. When they do that, they seem to create more things down low. But teams are just they're being smarter. They're not they're not running around. The Oilers are at their best when they get the defensive penalty killers running around. And at that point, then they can start picking them apart. The teams are being much more, much smarter. And then if there is a bobble, and this is what we didn't see earlier in the season, teams are being aggressive. As soon as there's a bobble, they're running at players. And that's forcing the Oilers to make perfect passes. If they do, they'll have some success. And if someone will be open. But if they don't make a perfect pass, then the next guy's attacking. So when the Oilers were at their best this season, their power play was their biggest weapon. It has not been that for a while. If it gets there, well, all of a sudden you got an Euler team that's five on five good and power play good. Right now, both of them aren't clicking. It's just the five on five that's been good.
0: That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind. Down the line, the Oilers lose 5-3 to the Dallas Stars. Uh, stars 2-0 against the Edmonton Oilers this season. Both games in Dallas. They're going to meet in Edmonton before the end of the year. Oh, I also got to congratulate Mike. He's getting a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. I set the line before the game at 50% over or under. What would the Oilers face-off percentage be? Mike took the over, and he was right. 52% were the Oilers tonight. Set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement. Bet on it. Uh, Kellen, do we have Darnell Nurse ready to go? Okay, back to Dallas. Here's the Oilers defenseman.
6: Maybe describe what it felt like to see that one
7: turn so quickly, Darnell. We've been pretty good at those all year, so... Um, you don't want to lose it uh, that, that quick, but... Um, you know, we learn from it, move on, and big points coming up. Do you... There's a couple of points in that game. You get a nice lead
6: and then you have a power play you could kind of seal it and you don't manage to do that and then you have a couple of breakdowns. Is it, you know, what do you look back on? Do you look back on not being able to get that fourth goal or do you look back on what happened in 24 seconds?
7: No, like I said, we've been pretty good in those situations all year and it hasn't, uh, you know, when you're up one with five minutes left, you got to find a way to get points and we didn't tonight. So, um just uh, find a way to regroup and, and not let that happen again. Was it about their, their push with all those momentum swings? Because uh, it just seemed like it was when the goals were
5: coming, they were coming in pairs and, and happening fast for both teams.
7: Yeah, that, I mean, that's a swings of the game. It was good building in there, good atmosphere, um, but yeah, they they made a couple of good plays. They had good players make uh, good plays in big moments and we weren't able to shut them down. So that's, the uh, yeah, guys, guys make plays too.
6: So we're past the trade deadline. You come home now, you, the team's the team, you got two guys waiting for you in Edmonton. Does this, you know, there's whatever's left, I think 19 games. Is this sort of a milestone to kind of get this team ready for, you know, what's to come?
7: Yeah, we're pushing for a spot in the playoffs and, and go from there. So these, every game upcoming, uh, we made two two good uh, good additions to our team and looking forward to having them in the lineup as well, but uh, it 19 uh, 19 big ones for us.
1: Darnell, sorry for jumping in late here, but can you just talk about the mental battle tonight? You guys could have easily had a multi-goal lead in the first, and then obviously they had momentum swing. You guys swing back in the third, and then you guys ultimately give it up. Just a mental battle between the years tonight. Yeah, it
7: was, uh, it was hard fought. There's, like you said, there's a lot of swings in the game, um, but you know, when there, there's five minutes left and you're up one, you can't uh, put yourself in those those type of situations where you've always got to make uh, saves in, in, in the situations that we did. so. Uh, Kelsey played huge for us, and you got to be better for him in front of him, especially uh, at, at the end of the game. All
0: right, that's Darnell Nurse after the Oilers lose 5-3 in Dallas. He was talking about pushing for a playoff spot here. The Oilers don't get any points tonight. A good result for Edmonton. The Jets beat the Golden Knights 4 nothing. Uh, a result not so good, at least in terms of seating early in the second period, the Kings lead the predators three, nothing, but the Oilers a uh, hold on third place in the division is not affected. Thanks to the golden Knights loss. We'll update the standings and give you the scoreboard in a little more detail as we move along tonight. You can chime in at seven, eight, zero four, nine, six, zero zero, six, three, the pros choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation and ceiling system, certainty pro all the way. Tell you what, I, I believe we got some of our regular guys already on hold, which is awesome. We're going to get you in, uh, uh, i want to hear for some new voices tonight first time callers will get priority on the certainty hotline tonight 780-496-0063 there's nothing to be nervous about rob brown is one of the most famous people in saint albert but he's very <laughs> down earth to talk to i mean I, I i would understand if people were too shy to talk to fernando rob like that would be a different story
4: well they are you're you're very approachable they, they have trouble because <laughs> fernando doesn't talk much. He's a very shy man. I see him all the time. He's a very shy man, but you'll see him all over the place in St. Albert. Go to any place where the Italian guys hang out. You'll find Fernando there.
0: All right. 780-496-0063 but uh, new or old, we're going to talk to you and get you in tonight. Oilers fall 5-3 in Dallas. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
2: Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. And the Stars are going to break back to get a chance for slow
0: developing. Three on two, right side, Joe Pavelski, up over the line, a chance right in front. Great save, Miko Koskinen again. Well, Koskinen with a lot of big saves tonight. That's the save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Stars beat the Oilers 5-3. Edmonton had a 3-2 lead, but the Stars score, Rupe hints on a breakaway with 5.22 uh, left. Guryanov on a two-on-one with 4.58 to go. And then Sagan, empty netter with 18.7 seconds left on the clock. And that does it. The
4: Oilers lose, and I believe, Rob, did San Jose just finish off Calgary? Yeah, San Jose just won. Calgary was all over them in the last two minutes. James Reimer probably made eight saves in the last minute and a half to keep the San Jose Sharks ahead so the oilers next opponent who is not going to be a playoff team they just walked into calgary beat calgary, calgary. and calgary uh, earlier in the game they were out shooting calgary quite badly so this is not a team that you can overlook they're starting to get healthy eric carlson back in the lineup for them uh that's a, a big two points on home ice for the edmonton Oilers when they come home for thursday's game
0: yeah and a great night for Dallas. i was talking about how this affected the Oilers. great night for dallas because they win and vegas loses so they are now uh, outright ahead of Vegas in points, seventy-three, seventy-two, with four games in hand. So that, Vegas, that was a huge one for the Stars tonight.
4: I, I'm I'm shocked. I guess it's probably to do with salary cap problems, but uh, for not Vegas not doing anything at the deadline because they're in trouble. I, I don't think they make the playoffs, Reed. I really don't. They are too badly beat up with injuries. They have played more games than all the other teams, and they're about to fall. I believe this will put them six points behind the L.A. Kings uh in, in pretty close to even games i think uh, the vegas golden knights uh, everybody's preseason favorite to win the division i think they will be out of the playoffs this year yeah tough spot for them right now for sure so
0: 5-3 the oilers lose that means james h brown and associates unrivaled experience unrivaled commitment unrivaled results with a $300 donation to 630 chet Santa's anonymous james h brown given 100 bucks for every oilers goal throughout the season okay we got a first timer cj on the Certainty Hotline. CJ, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, thanks
9: for taking my call. Um, Just questioning the power play. I've watched every Oiler game on TV from the start of this season and watching them since 1992. When they started the season, that puck was moving around like crazy, shooting at the net, dry was set up big time. You watch his play now. He gets the puck moves as fast as it goes from player to player, gets to him and stops the play. He allows everybody to get into position, and then he tries his little risky or sneak shot. It's too congealed in front of the net. He, if he's not going to take that one-timer, he shouldn't be on the power play. Move, move him to a different position. I know they've got injuries. I know things are, they don't have needs there. game down if you watch the play and pay attention to it next time you'll see what i'm talking about it's just absolutely drives me insane because the start of the season they were just blasting that puck into the net he's been stuck on 14 power play goals for i don't know maybe 20 games plus it's really crazy thanks yeah,
0: yeah thanks cj well i think that is one thing rob they're not getting that puck over to dry settle as much mcdavid did feed that one pass through him to uh, through him uh, through to him in the third period. And I think it went off the, the side of the net, but I I think, I don't know, Rob, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that goes back to what you were talking about early teams have adjusted and said, that's the preferred Oilers play. So we're not going to, we're not going to let them beat us with their favorite play.
4: Yeah, no, they're they're saying, all right, we'll, we'll give you these other plays instead. We know that Leon's going to put the puck in the net if you give him the one timer. So, okay, well, let's see if Kane can score from up high or if, Yamamoto can, can do something down low because until you prove that we have to take that away, this is the one we're taking away. When Leon stops the puck, it's because it's not in a one timer spot. That's the only, uh, trust me, there's no player in the world other than maybe Ovechkin that wants to one time the puck more than Leon Dreisettle. So when he's stopping, it's because the puck wasn't put in a position for him to one time it. Uh, I don't know if I would pull him off the power play like that caller said. He is still, I think, second or third in the NHL in points and one of the best power play players there is. Uh, the Oilers, the, to me, what's going on with the Oilers power play not being able to pass it around as much is more to do with what teams are doing against them. They're just, teams are much smarter against how the Oilers play their power play. I I think having Nuge back will make a difference because right now Leon and Connor are on opposite sides. And normally Nugent Hopkins would be up where Connor McDavid's playing as of late. I like him there. Then now he's got two options going across both Connor and Leon. So the players will be in a little bit better positioning when Nuge comes back and gets back on the power play. But it's uh, to me, the others are starting to shoot more from the back end, which is much needed. You're seeing them making a conscious effort to do it. But uh, the biggest reason the Oilers' power play hasn't been as good lately is teams are much smarter defending it than they were earlier in the season.
0: So 5-3, Dallas takes it tonight. Whenever the Oilers get five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on 630 com. That would allow you to go to the website, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. Okay, we got uh, Jamie up next. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey, Jamie, go ahead.
1: Hey guys, uh, just uh, one thing on that last caller's point. I noticed that too. How he was uh, Drysaddle was just sitting in that position and kind of waiting. But I also noticed that McDavid went to the blue line, uh, to the far side blue line against the boards, and he waited there. So what I think they were doing there is. Dreisaitl was taking a rip at the net, trying to hit the net front guy, and they knew if if Dreisaitl misses that shot, it wraps around the board. McDavid is right on the boards on the blue line, and he just grabs it, and they, get the, they basically get a free chance at a shot on goal with a net front presence. So I actually thought that was a great strategy by the Oilers. Um and then a couple other things I got is uh, three things I thought hurt the oilers tonight. And before I say this, uh, like honestly, they've been on a heater here and they've been playing good. So proud to be an oilers fan uh, fan lately, but uh just honestly, nurse his puck his puck maintenance or his puck management is just I've seen him throw away the puck like five times tonight. Not to mention, like mistake after mistake. I I love the guy. He's a beast. He's gonna get through it. But honest to God, like he was brutal tonight. And then there was undisciplined penalties like throughout the game. They were just like dry sidle, just like getting frustrated, knocking guys over. And then the back check started lacking. But anyways, that's all I got, guys.
0: Yeah. No. Pre- well, and that's another thing, Rob. They're taking too many penalties. I mean, yep, they are. I, I'm not, I, this is, I'm not trying to start a referee debate at all. Because oh, no, it wasn't on the they, ref. Usually, I mean, f- five last night, uh, four tonight. And so nine power plays against and only five, four. That's, that's another thing you keep. Well, I mean,
4: and it's like you know the he
0: gets to practice their power play a little you know, bit.
4: And you know why that's really bad too, is their penalty killing is not very good. <laughs> It's yeah. one thing to take a lot of penalties. If you've got a, you know, a top five or a top seven penalty-killing unit, you can be a little more aggressive. But when your penalty-killing unit isn't good and you've given up a goal every single game, you can't continue to to take penalties. And a lot of the penalties have been stick penalties. And you're sticking an area where you can't do it. Uh, Duncan Keith on the trip, he just got the stick in the feet. Devin Shore coming off the bench, he got his arm right across the, the midsection of Pavelski. Those are easy to call when it's an open ice and your stick is anywhere near the body of the opposition player, they're going to call that penalty. So uh, the Oilers penalty killing is not good enough and they take too many penalties. That doesn't help. I, I said at the beginning, a lot of the mistakes tonight I thought were fatigue. Uh, Jay Woodcraft mentioned it as well. Usually the mistakes with fatigue are mental mistakes that gets tired before your legs do before your, your, your hands do it's the brain that goes first. And I, I there was a number of things that we haven't seen in the others' game as of late that creeped in tonight, and uh, the Dallas Stars took advantage of a lot of silly mistakes that the Edmonton Oilers uh, made. And if it was not for Miko Koskin, this game wouldn't have been as close as it was.
0: Yeah, well, even I'm going to go back and watch it here. Like even that breakaway goal by Hints. I mean, that
4: was wasn't one on was four. Was
0: that a, a, a three on five when it started? Maybe a two-on-five.
4: Yeah, on and then it ended up being a one-on-four, and he went between all the players. Yeah. That one, I'd have to see. We didn't get a very good view of it. Both Oilers defensemen had kind of went to one side of the ice, which they're cutting off the middle of the ice. And there was two Oilers forwards back there that he went through. But someone's got to – when you see a guy picking up speed through the neutral zone, you've got to get in his way and cut him off. And the Oilers didn't do that. He's He's got talent, that kid, and we've talked about that for a while. And when he gets his speed going, he's hard to stop. But that was just one of many, many mistakes. That the, they, they shortened the, the ice for the Dallas Stars. Dallas is not a team that the others can create offense from a play in their own zone where they'll steal a puck and then they'll make a couple good passes and they'll come out together and they'll make a play. Dallas isn't that, like that. Dallas makes their offensive plays off of short ice where you turn the puck over at the red line. If you turn the puck over at the blue line, not getting it in deep, they will turn and quickly go the other way, and that's how the or that's how they scored a bunch of their goals tonight. They just played off of uh, of their mistakes. A great one was at the end where Cece didn't get the puck in deep, and all of a sudden Sagan's coming back on a two-on-one. You can't do that against veteran teams like the Dallas Stars.
0: All right, five-three, Dallas wins it. They get uh, what three goals in the last five minutes and 22 seconds to pull it out tonight. We have Frank on the Certainteed Hotline. Hi, Frank. Go ahead.
10: Hey, guys, good discussion tonight, and I've got to agree with a lot that Rob says when it comes to the power play. Uh, As I'm watching the game, uh, I'm, I can almost predict where the pass is going to go. And if I can do that watching the game, you know that the, the opposition team has been prepared by video and everything else. And uh, they're just too predictable. And somehow I think when they're, when they're overplaying a guy like Gleisaitl guy or when, when the goalie knows that that's where that shot's going to come from because none of the other guys are going to take the shot, the the coaches have to throw something in there because if the if the penalty kill is overplaying uh, the strategy that they think the Oilers are going to throw at them, you got to change it up a little bit and throw something, and make it look different. Otherwise, we're going to, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I think they call that insanity. What do you guys
0: think? <laughs> well, I think the, Rob and I get called that a fair amount as well. But uh, no, <laughs> we appreciate I appreciate mean, that. Frank. Good point.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's great points. And, and I agree. There's, you, when we're sitting here watching the games, we're like, okay, it's going to go. They're going to get out of the corner. They're going to pass it to Connor. He's going to go to Barry. He's going to go to Leon. Back to Barry. Back to Connor. Now, Connor's going to attack. He's either going to hit Yamamoto backdoor or he's going to throw it across to Leon. And we know that time and time again. And, and like the caller just mentioned, every team has video guys and their, own, their only job is to break down video to give to the coaches. And then the coaches will show the, the penalty killers or the coaches will show the power play and say, okay, here's the tendencies. Here's what they like to do. So if Connor starts coming down here, here's the two most ob- obvious places he's going to go with the puck. So now you take that away. If Leon gets it here, here are the two most obvious places he's going to go. Okay, when Yamamoto, get, Yamamoto gets it, he's not doing this. So you can back away. Or if Kane gets it, he's not doing this. So if you're doing, if you only got four or five things. Uh, you have to execute so, so good because the other team knows it's coming. So, yes, they. I, I have seen some new wrinkles. They're trying. But sometimes when the brain gets a little bit tired, you just go back to the to the the same old and I think we saw that at times tonight they will correct it they will try to fix it I mean even with all of this there's still a top four power play but the problem for the Edmonton Oilers right now is big moments of games the Oilers have had chances to either put games away extend leads or bring themselves back in games and they haven't got the goals that they needed the goals that they were getting earlier in the year
0: Okay, we, uh, we're we going to do a quick timeout here. we got a first-time caller, Brett, coming up, as, as well as Sir Robert, Cam, and Ron from Red Deer. Oilers lose 5-3 in Dallas. Hang tight, folks. We're getting to you. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
2: Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 channel it's broken up by CeCe. He
3: sends McDavid away. One-on-one on Klingberg. He races around him. And Disney fanned on the
0: shot at the last second? Right in front. Scores! Evander Kane has tied the game. Bob Stoffer on the call tonight with Cam Moon on the DL. And good job by Tony Brar as well. Pinching in on the color commentary. Evander Kane short-handed. That uh, tied it for the Oilers 2 2 in the third, but they wound up losing 5 3 of Vander Kane. Well, Rob, we got to talk about these two guys because it is a positive, even though the Oilers lose tonight. Kane, six goals in his last uh, six games. Yamamoto, six goals in his last seven.
4: Well, what we've seen over the, the, the years that Connor McDavid has been here, he gets better in the second half of the season. He's done it every year. And if you're on his line, if you're his line mates, uh, you're probably going to have some success if you got a little bit of skill. And both Kane, and Yamamoto certainly do. Uh, Kane is a very good hockey player, always has been. And now he's a very good hockey player playing with the best hockey player, and he has complemented him very, very well. Uh, He's been in a number of the games that he's played. He's been the best player on the ice. Uh, Just He he brings everything, the physical element, the little bit of nastiness, and then obviously the offensive prowess. And then Yamamoto is just a young player that... Uh, has found confidence and with that confidence in his skill level and the opportunities that Connor's given him, he's uh, created a, a, a number of good chances for himself and he's capitalized on them. So uh, they've been very, very good. Th- that line has been, has been excellent this last little while and uh, tonight the way they played, they probably felt that they and their teammates would be able to sneak out two points because the first line tonight was good for the Edmonton Oilers.
0: All right, we got a first-time caller to the Certainty Hotline. Brett, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hi, guys. I just
3: wanted to ask you a question about predictability of the Oilers' power play or other players throughout the league. Like I mean, Ovechkin's made a living from the one-timer in the slot, there off the circle. But uh, you guys get a lot of questions about predictability of the power play, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on whether the, the zone entry by McDavid has got to go by the way of the Dodo Bird or. Um, um, what else are your
10: uh, thoughts, are?
4: I, I don't think that. I don't think the Oilers really have a lot of problems getting into the offensive zone on the power play very often. First of all, they always have a face-off to start a power play, and I, I don't know what Leon Dreisaitl's winning percentage is on power play faceoffs, but I have a feeling it's somewhere around 80%. It seems like every time he has a face-off to start a power play, he wins it. So they are good at setting up. As far as predictability, now Ovechkin... I don't know what he's got this year but, for, but I think, for the one time. But I think time.
0: he's at. I think he's referring more to the zone entries, Rob. Like in terms of y- well, the you zone know, entries. The I
4: don't. I don't think there's any. I don't think they change anything. The, there's. I, I don't see a problem with the Oilers getting in the zone. I mean, tonight every power play they were in the zone. It was the fact that they weren't uh, putting the puck on net enough, or, or the one ta- caller called said they were taking the passes were coming across. But he did talk about Ovechkin and predictability. -hmm. And Ovechkin, the problem, the reason that Ovechkin can score, even though everyone knows where he is, is because everyone else on the ice is dangerous too. So you can't take everyone away. And if you take away Ovechkin, well, all of a sudden Carlson's going to score. If you take away him, then Knutsoff's going to score. And I think that's what you have to be to be a good power play. Everyone on the ice has to be dangerous. And for a while there, the Oilers on the back end, they weren't using their defensemen. And so now they turned it into a four on four because the the defenders were like, all right we'll just leave Barry or Bouchard up there alone because they're not using him. Now it becomes a four on four. So as for zone entry, they don't have to change anything. I, I think I saw a stat that they're one of the best, if not the best in the league in zone entries on power plays. That's not an issue. The issue is finding a way to create other chances when they take away the, the, the one or two plays that you love the best. And when they do that, those players will have success, and then it'll open up what you want to do more often.
0: Well, and I wonder if it just gets back to something that we often talk about. They just got to have Barry or Bouchard fire away. Yep, early and in then the it power creates play, chaos and then chase the rebounds. Yeah,
4: yeah, it creates chaos. And the one thing that we've seen about Yamamoto on the power play is he hunts down pucks as good as anyone on the Oilers. So if there's a shot from the point, and the puck bounces somewhere below the goal line. Yamamoto is as good as any player on the Oilers of getting, retrieving, and get it back into the hands of either Leon or Connor. So I don't think it's been an issue for the Oilers for the amount of time they have the puck in the offensive zone because it seems like every power play, they're in there for two full minutes and they're moving the puck around. It's just getting that grade A scoring chance and that that's what they're having a trouble finding. The teams are just completely clogging up in front of the net, and they're saying, shoot from the outside. We're not giving you the easy tap-in. And if that's the case, well, shoot from the outside.
0: All right, on the Edmonton Trailers scoreboard, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and use semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. In the third, tentacle team up 3-2 on the Coyotes. Kings lead the Predators 3-1 in the second period. Finals, Penguins knock off the Blue Jackets 5-1. Devils over the Rangers 7-4. Blues win in Washington 5-2. Hurricanes beat the Lightning 3-2. There was a bit of a scrum at the end of that game. Red Wings beat the Flyers 6-3. Islanders shut out the Sens 3-0. Jets get a 4-0 win over the Golden Knights and San Jose.
9: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. From the launcher online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
0: Stunning Calgary 4-3. Right here on 630 Chet, Dallas 5, Edmonton 3. The final your calls when we get back after the news and weather to Heartland Port Overtime Open Line. Oilers
2: Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. It's in the left corner, back to the right point, looking for Bouchard. He shoots, he
3: scores! Evan Bouchard!
0: There is a screen in front. Connor McDavid will keep his point-scoring streak alive. All right. Well, that was Yamamoto's goal, his 17th of the season. And it was the first goal of the game. And it's the first time this season the Oilers do not win when scoring first. Now, 21-1 as Dallas pulls it out 5-3 this evening. So they jump into a playoff spot one point ahead of Vegas. The Oilers remain third in the Pacific Division certainty hotline 780-496-0063 we've uh, taken a couple first-time callers tonight i remember when this guy was a first-time caller we just called him robert we have knighted him since then and we have sir robert standing by
3: sir robert go ahead oh, hey guys how are you doing pretty good
0: Wow well
3: i you know what i think you know what you know what despite the uh, you know what despite the loss i don't think it was you know i don't think it was a bad game i just think it was you know as uh, as rob touched on earlier i think it was just a couple a couple i guess you'd call them uh mental mistakes there i guess toward the end leading to those uh uh, two, uh leading to those uh uh goals there the two quick ones but yeah, i mean you know i I mean, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it now. I, I personally believe that the power play—they need to—they need to find a way to start cashing in on their chances. Simply because, I mean, you know, a three-two lead, they score there, game's over. They don't. They don't. Dallas stays in it, and comes back. So, you know what? I, I still believe I still believe this team's going to be in the playoffs, and I'll uh, I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah, thanks, sir, Robert. Well, the percentages are looking good. I mean, most of the sites that do those odds calculations have the orders around uh, 80% thanks to the five-game winning streak, and then even getting the point last night in Dallas will help their uh, their cause tonight uh, as well. I just saw our, my buddy Pat Steinberg, uh, Rob, who hosts the Flames broadcast. The uh, Sharks are 3-0 and against Calgary this season. <laughs> so sometimes funny things happen.
4: Yeah, dude, I watched uh, while we were doing the show. I was watching the game. Uh, San Jose looked good. I mean, Calgary had a lead, and then San Jose scored two quick goals against Calgary. The only thing that might be an issue for San Jose coming to Edmonton, it looked like Timo Meyer left the game. He was hobbled at the end of the game, and he left with about five six minutes to go. So I don't know if he'll be available for the for the Sharks against the Oilers. And he is a very good hockey player. That will hurt if he's not in the lineup.
0: All right, we also have Cam at 780-496-0063. Hey, Cam, you're on.
10: Hey, a couple of things, you guys. Can you talk about uh, the
8: helmet coming off yesterday? Uh, Could that be some kind of a bonus or some kind of a thing that teams can do? Because it'd be, you know, you hit a guy and the helmet come off.
10: And I know half of the guys' straps are very loose with those helmets. And it'd be a three-games, too.
4: Did that that happen more often, you think? It it uh, doesn't happen doesn't happen a whole lot. I bet you we've seen it to the Oilers maybe four times this year. Reed, where an Oilers helmet has come off and they've had to go to the yeah. bench.
0: Didn't someone get a penalty or was that last year? Somebody did play the puck. Played the puck. Locked I can't remember if for the Oilers or for the opposition. Yeah, we but, have seen a penalty called. I,
4: but yeah, I, but I, I think it's only been four times that I can remember this year, and that's that's guessing where it's happened. So it doesn't happen a lot. It is a penalty if you intentionally pull. Yeah. an opposition and, player's and, helmet some off.
0: people thought that Kadri did. I, I don't know about and, that. I mean, you know, he may have, but they were kind he of tied may up have, anyway. But
4: it, it's hard It's hard to call. It's got to be pretty obvious for the ref to call it. Yeah. Um. But it it doesn't happen that often. So and the others have played, what, 60 games? And I can remember, and I'm guessing at four, it might not even be four times. So once every 15 games. So it's not, I it, the, the reason they put the rule in is for safety. They don't want a player playing without a helmet. It's, the last thing you need to do is see some guy get slew-footed or get nicked or something, go down and bang his head off the ice. So I think it's a good rule.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ron from Red Deer checking in as well. Oilers lose 5-3. Hey, Ron, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Hey. So good.
10: I, got w- I got one statement and one question. My statement from the last time I called pertaining to Rob when you were in your in the, your first playoffs when the building was
4: shaking Mhm. That still blows my mind. <laughs> it what blew my mind too is really cool.
10: <laughs> no doubt on that. <laughs> now, my one, my other question is: so I was listening to the pre-game show. What did you do to get your five minute
4: <laughs> Well, oh. sometimes I oh, accidentally brought my stick up a little too high. Sometimes, accidentally
10: it's bad, on purpose.
4: Oh, accidentally on purpose, or or a little. The back when I played, there was only one ref, so it was awesome. You can get away with a whole lot more than you can now. You know, the ref was up the ice watching the play. You could trail the play and just brush the back of somebody's leg or knee or something accidentally, of course. I did that once, though, against the island. There's a guy named Gary Nylon, big defenseman. Oh, I know you, yeah. yes. He, he used to abuse me in front of the net, just absolutely abuse me. So I was going to get him back we were coming up the ice and I two handed him in the back of the legs and he punched me so I, I, I su- Yeah, I'm gonna sucker him and I'm gonna get into a fight. I hit him with the first one and then I think he hit me with the next thirty until the <laughs> linesman finally could get in there and save me. But so sometimes having only one ref on the ice didn't help. That was one of those moments. <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ron. Good good question. If people miss the face off show, I know, Rob, rub you. You do say that every so often that you had the coach which do can i ask which coach it was was, you had a coach that said if you know you got to protect yourself so i'll give you a couple free major penalties a year
4: he said you've because you're a small skilled player you got to create space for yourself and to create space is to let the opposition know that you can't take advantage of you and to do that do something stupid twice a year it was gino Briaco. told me twice a year i could take a five-minute major uh just to to send a message that uh if you're gonna do this to me, I'm gonna do that to you. Back when I played, it was a lot, uh, it was a lot dirtier. Uh, I mean, I remember once playing in New Jersey. Uh, I tried to create space in front of the net on a power play. So just as Mario got the puck, I cross-checked Scott Stevens so that I would have an extra two feet to be able to move back and one-time the puck. I cross-checked him. He turned around and speared me in the stomach, and I spent the night in a New Jersey hospital. So. Things like that happened a little more frequently when I played. And unfortunately, I was a recipient of too many of them.
0: Now, I, I think I'm going to take that story and use it on one of those features we put together on the face-off show. I'm not sure if it's going to fit under it happened in hockey or living the dream,
4: though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah, if it was, it was living the dream for you. <laughs> yeah, fun night in the New Jersey Hospital. Spent one, one night in Boston. I can't remember who got me in Boston, but they got me in the throat and I had to spend the night in the Children's Hospital in Boston, and I had my feet were about a foot too long in the bed because it was literally a children's hospital. I think I was 19 or 20, and my wife had to drive up the next day from Hartford to pick me up. I guess it was a little older because I was with Hartford, so 22. My wife had to drive up the next day and pick me up in Hartford from the Children's Hospital. Didn't get much sleep because the bed only went to my knees and the rest of my legs hung over. So I the, I've spent i been in a few hospitals in my day. Reed. Well... You scored a lot of goals too, though. So I guess yeah, I was mouthy, and I probably deserved most of it too. So (laughs) I can't blame the guys.
0: Dallas 5 Edmonton 3 is your final if you missed it back and forth game there were some wild swings Dallas got two goals in a minute 20 in the second Edmonton got two goals in 43 seconds in the third but then Dallas late in the third two goals in 24 seconds to go from trailing to ahead and then they got an empty netter okay first time to the show Rick on the certainty hotline Rick, thanks for joining us go ahead
8: I just have a question about the coaching decisions that I think should have been made in the last two games. When they started the overtime, uh, why wouldn't they start Leon? Doesn't he have the best uh, percentage for faceoffs? It, yeah, that's fine. a good,
4: good question. Yeah, It's a good question, but you I know,
8: think and, I just and read. And then he could quickly change if they win the draw, get it back yeah. behind our net, and then he can change and they can go. I, I don't know why he would do that.
4: Okay, first before today's before you game, go to your next question, I just read something the other day though that for the first time in the history of those two playing together that uh Connor McDavid's faceoff percentage is better than Leon's right now.
0: Uh well they oh. were actually they were even coming into tonight they're they're almost tied. Leon is yeah. ahead by 0.07%. So, so there so Connor is I mean, way Connor better, better than he used there. to be. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Connor is getting good at it. That's
8: different, But but today's game when they when they tied the game with that bad goal that the four guys were just standing there, why doesn't he call a timeout and get those guys off the ice? I think they were on for both goals, weren't they? Same group?
4: Um, That uh, I we'll don't know. I know you, for you, right now. you You don't have to call a timeout. If you wanted to change them, you can change them. You didn't have to call a timeout. Yeah, there was no... Um, and I, you don't call a timeout there. I mean, if that's the case, then Dallas should have called a timeout when Edmonton scored those two quick goals, the shorthanded one and the one right out of the box. And, and Dallas didn't there. In a one goal game, uh, a lot of coaches, and rightfully so, want to save their timeout just in case you have to pull your goalie and, and rest your players so they get a little extra time with the goalie pulled. So, yeah, I don't, there was no reason to, to call a timeout. If they didn't want those players on the ice, then they could have just taken them off as after the goal scored. I don't know. We only get what the camera shows us, so I don't know exactly every player that was on the no, ice. No, I,
0: I got it here on the summary rob. So the only so I believe he's talking about Dallas's third goal and Dallas's fourth goal.
4: Yeah. CC and too. Nurse
0: were on for both goals. Uh and the, forwards the forwards were different. Forwards, weren't they? The forwards for the first goal were Ryan Shore well, and it says Fogel but it wasn't Fogel because Yamamoto was ca- coming on the ice and he was the guy that got turned around by hints at the blue line yeah. so that's actually not accurate and then it says the second goal was the McDavid uh, line who do we have yeah McDavid yeah Kane and and, and Yamamoto so yeah I mean I guess the yeah I guess you could have called the goal a timeout when it was four three but then you're probably thinking you're gonna save it.
4: Yeah, I would Four. I wouldn't have called the timeout. It'd game. be the exact same as Dallas calling a timeout when they give up the two quick goals. Now it's a one goal game. You save your timeout in case you want to play your best players the last two and a half minutes with a a goalie pulled. That way a minute and a half, there's a whistle, you can call the timeout just to give them a little bit of a rest. So it it was just it was just an odd game that the Oilers looked tired, made mental mistakes, and gave up way too many uh grade A scoring chances that Coskin just eventually wasn't able to save them all.
0: All right, Oilers lose 5-3. We'll get to Adam when we get back in a couple of minutes. Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
2: Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
0: All right, Dallas 5, Edmonton 3 is the final. The Oilers record 35-24-5. They did have a... Six-game point streak going, 5-0-1 in their last six. So first uh, regulation loss here in a while for the Oilers. Woodcroft's record now 12-6-2. This was his 20th game as the Oilers coach. And we welcome to overtime open line for the first time ever, Adam.
9: Adam, go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, Yeah, just, you know, I want to make a quick comment. You know, one guy that doesn't get enough praise is Kalskanen in the city. And I think, you know, in the past, he let in a weak goal, and then they would continue spiraling out. Um, You know, today he kind of rebounded back, and he gave the team a chance. And I think he deserves more credit sometimes than he actually gets. I think he actually had a good performance, and the team didn't bail him out when he bailed them out five or 6 great grade-A scoring chances. And I just think he needs more credit. He's playing good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah, we talked about him off the top for sure. He I, he had a good night despite allowing four. Thought he was kept the orders in the game, especially in the second period.
4: Yep, I, quality start. Quality start. Just the defense in front of him wasn't good enough tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I listed off. Well, I'll do it again here quickly. So the second period, uh, left pad save on Ben. Ben has a breakaway. Robertson is alone in front. That Those chances, Rob, were a minute eight apart <laughs> when it was 2-1. Uh, then he stopped Guryanov, who walked in around Keith, then he stopped Hints about 40 seconds after that. He stopped Guryanov early in the third. So that's how many? One, two, three, four, five. That's six saves, grade A saves, in about a 12-minute span when the Oilers were down 2-1. Yeah,
4: so, no, they, the Oilers, they bled chances today. Uh, this was uh, probably the weakest uh, defensive effort they've had in in some time. And a lot of it's probably fatigue, back-to-back, late night getting in. It just wasn't good. Um, and when you play against teams that got some talent up front, and the Dallas Stars do, uh, they'll make you pay. And Koskinen held them in as long as he could. And uh, eventually they found, I mean, the goals that they scored to, to tie and go ahead were a breakaway and then a backdoor wide open net, two-on-one. You can't give those up when you got a one-goal lead late in a hockey game.
0: All right, let's go back to Dallas. He got his 42nd goal of the season tonight. Leon Dreisaitl.
5: What kind of did you make just of the craziness of that game, just how it kind of kept going uh, back and forth between the two teams? Yeah,
7: I thought it was a good game.
5: Um, obviously, I think we could have been a
7: little sharper on those plays at the end there. Um, but, you know, desperation levels high with a lot of teams right now. So um, just a couple mistakes that um you know can't happen but um all in all i thought it was pretty pretty solid effort again it happened fast like those that 24 seconds seemed to go by
6: about five <laughs> seconds uh do you is there you know your experienced team to, is there a way to slow that down i guess would you prefer to have it you know well like i said
7: it's just been like two mistakes that um you know with with good teams that that we're playing against uh right now you know that that's in the back of your net so um we can be we can be better in that area we know that um so that's something that that yeah we can improve
6: as an offensive guy uh, you did have a chance to kind of ice that game a bit right it's three two i think you get power play as an offensive guy i guess what do you look back on a chance to to score more and win a game that way or the fact that you guys didn't defend as well as you could what you know there's two ways to win that game i suppose
7: uh, both um, probably could have scored on that power play and be sharper on the on the plays against.
0: Yeah, well, fair enough, Rob. The team that loses usually <laughs> wanted to score one or two more and keep one or two more out of their net. But but I think fair question by Spec. I mean, we talked about that. That could have been a big moment with the power play that wouldn't have guaranteed you the win being up two with about seven minutes to go, but would have had you probably over a 90% probability to, to win it. So here we go, Rob L.A. is winning tonight. Mm -hmm. So they could go three up on Edmonton at the moment. They're uh, they're one up, but then a costly loss for Vegas. They remain three behind the Oilers. The Oilers have two games in hand and even more costly for Vegas. They're now a point behind Dallas. For the last wild card spot, and Dallas has four games in hand. So that's the. Yeah, Vegas. The main, I mean, there's other things to update, but all, those are the key ones tonight.
4: Well, Vegas, the only way Vegas is making the playoffs is catching Edmonton or LA. They're, they're not catching, they're not getting a wild card spot. They're too far behind Nashville in points and games, and uh, they're now behind Dallas, and Dallas has four games in hand. That's just, even if Dallas goes two and two in those four games, that's five points ahead with less than 20 games to go. So. Uh, and, and Vegas, they're still not healthy. They're, I mean, their best players are injured. Their backup, their their starting goalies out. Their two top line wingers are out, both Stone and Pacharetti. Riley Smith, their their second line centers out, and none of them are coming back anytime soon. So Vegas is in so much trouble. They they needed the L.A. Kings to fall apart is what they needed for them to have any chance at all. And L.A. is having a good game tonight against Nashville. L- L.A. Is who the Oilers are probably going to play in the playoffs, and that's going to be a tough out. They they play a big, hard playoff style hockey. They're physical, and they are slowly getting healthy. So we I think next week the Oilers see LA at home, and it'll be could be a, a preview of the first round of the playoffs. But uh, the Edmonton Oilers got some games here at home ice. Uh, a big game against the Calgary Flames. There's points on the line. Uh, they can certainly put. Uh, points in the bank to, to help push the, the Vegas Golden Knights a little further back. But to me, this is a race between LA and Emmett and to see who gets home ice right. in the first round. i got to
0: jump in, Up we got David standing by the Do the News. Oilers fall 5-3 to Dallas. Uh, thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, and of course to Rob Brown. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Take care, everybody.